I put the word in Google, the word love in there, and with 14,870,000,000 hits to open uh, possibilities to look on the word love alone, you can see that there's a lot of people who have a lot of things to say about love. But when it comes to Jesus talking about love, Jesus raises the bar. Jesus shows us and challenges us to be people who would go so far as to love their enemies. As we think about today being Father's Day, I can think of no greater legacy for a man to leave than a legacy of love. Take your Bibles this morning and turn me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to pick up today in verse number 27. Luke chapter 6, and pick up in verse number 27. As Jesus is preaching, he says this, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, you do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And with that, let's pray. Father, speak to us during our time, and Lord, give us ears to hear. But Father, what a challenging topic today. Give us a heart to understand and a heart to open to your word and your truth to be people who are known by our love. In your name we pray, amen. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is preaching a sermon. Some people believe that this is just kind of a a summarized version of the Sermon on the Mount, I actually believe that this is a different sermon than the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we find that there are some overriding themes. And sometimes when you hear people preach, especially if you've been here for a long time, there are things that I may say that you've heard me say in other sermons before. Now, Jesus, as 
begins to share this Sermon on the Plain. In the Sermon on the Mount, he shared eight Beatitudes. In the Sermon on the Plain, he shared four. And then he added four woes. But now Jesus jumps onto a topic that he deals with in the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. And this is in the area of love. As Jesus was preparing his disciples to go to the cross, he would tell them in John chapter 13, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. That love, that brotherly love, is what Jesus is proclaiming at the end of his life. But as Jesus has called his disciples, and as he's called his disciples, and he now has this group of his disciples, some other disciples, and then some general curious just people probably in that audience, Jesus raises the bar on how we are to be people of love. And what a challenge it is. He reminds us that when people love us, they can be easy to love. But it's much different when we deal with those that are challenging people in our world. So this morning... In the next 30 minutes, 25 minutes, we're going to look at 10 different thoughts when it comes to to love. All right? We're going to do it quickly, so listen quick. Jesus teaches us first is, is that love is more than just feelings. Love is more than just feelings. Jesus in this passage doesn't say, I want you to feel all fuzzy and wuzzy and, and feel all warm and cozy about your enemies. No, he calls us to love. He calls us to love. This is not just emotion, but this is volition. This is an act of the will to show love. Now, we love when love and emotion are attached together. Tomorrow, Julie and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. And let let me tell you, after 30 years of being married and 31 years of, of being together, there are some deep feelings and emotions that ride with that, as it should be. This afternoon, our four boys and two daughters in law and, and, uh, Grandbaby are coming over for, for lunch and we're going to hang out. And let me tell you, that will be a time where, where love is felt and, and expressed, maybe not in ways of huggy kissy, but more in the forms of, you know, snide remarks and sarcasm. But, uh, nevertheless, it is love altogether. What we find though is Jesus is teaching us that love is not just ooey gooey feelings as he calls us to love those who sometimes seem unloving or unlovable. And that leads us to the second thought that Jesus calls us to love and that love extends to our enemies. That love extends to our enemies. Again, this is not ooey gooey feelings, but the truth of this is Jesus is calling us to love. He says this in verse number 27 and in verse number 35. He drives it home two times to make sure that you won't miss it. Love your enemies. I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Down in verse number 35, he says the same thing. You need to love your enemies. I, uh, Ran across the the Irish blessing, and probably some of you have heard this before, but it says this. May those that love us, love us. Those that don't, may God turn their hearts. 
And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we'll know them by their limping. May God make people love us, but if he doesn't make them love us, then if he can't turn their heart, then turn their ankles so that we'll know all the people who don't like us because they're the ones that are limping. And Jesus says, no, it's not like that. Instead, I'm giving you a challenge to to love, even enemies. And that brings us to the third thought, and that is this. Love is positive action. Love is positive action. Now, notice what Jesus says about this aspect of love in Luke 6, 27. I say to you who listen, love your enemies, all right? He gives us four commands in this section. We are to love enemies, we are to do good, we are to bless, and we are to pray. Now notice with me in Luke 6, 27, and how Jesus phrases this as, as he puts it together. He says that we are to love our enemies, do what is good to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, and pray for those who mistreat us. So Jesus is saying, look, this is not about how you feel. This is about how you act. And how I want you to act is I want you to love people that don't love you. I want you to do good to people who aren't going to do good to you. I want you to bless people who want to curse you. And I want you to pray for people no matter where they are in life. And especially those who want to mistreat you and are antagonistic toward you. Jesus is giving us volitional commands that say, your love is, my love is going to be expressed through you by doing this, by loving, by doing good, by blessing, and by praying. And then Jesus takes not only four commands, but then he gives us four illustrations of what this love is going to look like. Pick up with me in in this same passage right there following his last call to pray for those who mistreat us in verse 29. He says this, if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Jesus says, let me illustrate how I want my love to shine through your life. If someone strikes you on the cheek, I want you to be willing to turn the other cheek. Now, Jesus here, when he was being uh, taken to the cross and he was struck, did not say, okay, I'm turning the other cheek. Do you want to hit that side? I don't think that Jesus is literally saying, if someone strikes us, then we turn and say, would you like to hit the other side too? Instead, what he is showing and driving home is that we are not to be people who retaliate. That if someone strikes us, we're not just to strike back, which is our natural tendency. He's saying love is going to look different. Your love is going to look different altogether. He goes on and talks about, man, if you, if somebody takes something or you let somebody borrow something and they don't give it back, then, hey, it's all good. That's love. Now, understand within the context, Jesus is trying to set forth a principle of radical love and generosity and a lack of retaliation. Now, for all of us, there are some some 
constraints and discernment that we use in our life. And Jesus, I don't think necessarily is talking about people who are overtly breaking the law. But what Jesus is pointing to, he is telling us that we are to be marked by a radical kind of love that goes against the world's influence and looks completely different than everything that the world does and says. A few weeks ago, we went to the Missouri Botanical Garden uh, to see the glass work. It's like Chihuly or whatever they call that. It's pretty cool stuff. I recommend that if you go, go in the daytime, but then go late enough in the day, you can see it light up as well. But when we got there, there is a statue of George Washington Carver that was there that I just didn't remember it being there. I'd been at the Botanical Garden. It's been a few years. George Washington Carver was born actually in the state of Missouri. He was born in 1865 and born in slavery. He became a renowned scientist, and he really became known for his agriculture. And the big thing was the rotation of crops. That was George Washington Carver who taught us that. But he said this, I will let, never let a man ruin my life by making me hate him. That, my friends, is what Jesus is talking about. I will never let a man ruin my life by making me hate him. Instead, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of love. Next, we look at verse number 31. And as we think about verse number 31, we recognize this. Love is always kind, but never compromises the truth. Love's always kind, but never compromises the truth. Notice verse number 31. This is the picture of the golden rule. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Do the same. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. That's what Jesus is saying. You would want to be treated well, so treat others well. Treat others well. Now, for us in this day, and especially in this world in which we live right now, especially right at this month, where we're being blasted with pride all month, and we're being uh, called not just to, to tolerate, but actually embrace and affirm the homosexual movement, we have to understand that we are to be people who stand on principle and stand in truth, and to even love those who are away from the Lord and acting away from the Lord. Warren Wearsby put it this way. He said, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth without love is brutality. We're not to be uh, come across angry and 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 spewing venom at people. No. But at the same time, we're not just to affirm so that everyone is to, to, to recognize that, that, that we've just embraced that because the Bible says that's morally and spiritually against creation and against the creator. So we recognize as believers that Ephesians 4 challenges us to speak the truth in love. 
Now, in 2016, when I was taken in for an appendectomy, and uh, they noticed that I had a, a golf, si- golf ball-sized tumor on my kidney, the emergency room doctor could have said, man, I don't want to hurt that guy's feelings, so I'm not going to tell him about this tumor on him. Man, he, he might be having a bad day. He didn't do that. He didn't say, oh, I just don't want to get involved. You know, this poor guy, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get, no. What did he do? He came and he spoke the truth. Listen, you got, you have cancer. You have a problem. You have an issue that needs to be dealt with. So the truth was spoken and we need to speak the truth to the world. C.S. Lewis put it this way and I wrote down just a, a snippet of his quote. When the whole world is running towards a cliff, He who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. (laughs) When the whole world is running off a cliff and they're running toward this sense of moral depravity but eternal destruction, and when they're all pushing that way, when we push against the culture and say, look, people need to come to Jesus. There are sins. The Lord defines them. There are sins that that we need to recognize and the Lord calls them sins. And when we push it back against society, they think we're the crazy ones, that that we are are the ones who are, are the radicals and who are out there. And yet, if we're truly going to be kind, we have to treat others the way we would want to be treated. And someone in your life shared with you the truth. And now you need to stand up when you have opportunity, and share the truth. Speak the truth. Because love doesn't compromise truth. Love does not compromise truth. Jesus came and he preached hard words and challenged people with their sinfulness, their pride, their self-righteousness, their immorality. He challenged them with their greed He challenged them uh, with all kinds of different sins. And we need to be those people too. Love is always kind, but never compromises the truth. You treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And if you didn't know the truth, you would want to know the truth. Fifth, we find that love expects nothing in return. Notice with me in verse number 32 to 34. Love expects nothing in return. Notice, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do what is good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Now, this is a real overwhelming challenge. That we are to love and not expect anything back. That we are to show love without reciprocation. Hey, you can love somebody who loves you. Congratulations, Jesus says. You're as good as sinner. You're as good as any old sinner out there. You can do good to someone who does good to you. You can scratch their back and they'll scratch your back. Wonderful. That's the way the world works. Sinners will do that for you. But what about loving those and doing good to those 
showing kindness to those and even lending to those that won't pay you back and won't reciprocate. Daryl Bach and his commentary on the Gospel of Luke says that as the the Jewish people neared what was called the uh I have just lost the, the day of Jubilee. I just lost the word. The day of Jubilee. As they neared the day of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven on the day of Jubilee. All debts wiped out. So as you neared the day of Jubilee, people didn't want to give you a loan because they knew on the day of Jubilee, your debt would be forgiven. And Jesus says, and gives the picture, if they're in need and you lend to them, even if you don't get reciprocated, you lend. This is the difference. This is that radical picture of love that Jesus is driving home to us, that we are to give and not expect anything in return. What a challenge and what a word. And though it may not be reciprocated on earth, the next thing we find is that love will be rewarded. Notice with me in verse number 35. Jesus says this, Love your enemies, do good. Uh, do what is good and land, expecting nothing in return, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Love will be rewarded. He tells us back over in Luke chapter 6 in verse number 23, rejoice in that day when you're nice and kind to those who hate you and insult you, for great is your reward in heaven. Can I tell you, the Lord has never missed an opportunity that you were kind. The Lord has never missed an opportunity that you showed grace and love to someone who was unloving and unlovely and unlovable. The Lord has never missed a moment where you did something out of out of your heart in the name of Jesus and someone spurned it. The Lord says, I will reward you. Love will be rewarded. And then we find that love not only will be rewarded, but love reveals our relationship to God. Notice what he says, sliding down at the end of verse number 35, that we're not only to expect nothing in return and that your reward will be great, but he says, and then you will be children of the most high. Children of the most high. We don't become God's children by loving each other, but because we are God's children, His love is to be amped up in our life. We take on the characteristics of our Father. You'll be children of the Most High. And just as God loves and shows grace and shows mercy to those who are sinful and undeserving, the picture is, is love is going to reveal that you are linked to Him. Sometimes when my boys are squirreling around and you know, being sarcastic and being funny and telling jokes and especially trying to pull stuff over on their mom. Sometimes if I'm standing over to the side with Julie, I'll just look right at her and I'll just say, I'm sorry. Because they get that from their dad, all right? Her family, they're not jokers like we, like our family is. They, they, they didn't do all that. And so sometimes, like I said, I just look and I see them and I see them acting like me. And so I just, I'm sorry, they're just acting like they're dead. This is what they have watched. And because of that, they act that way. And because God loves us, oftentimes we are to act like him and then be recognized as children of the Most High. You realize First John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. 
we are God's kids. If you know Jesus, you're one of his children. And as one of his children, you are to reflect the character of your father. It's challenging. It's hard. But that's what the Bible calls us to do. Then we find that love shows grace and mercy. And he goes on to the end of that passage and he says, God is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful as your father in heaven is mercy is merciful. That we as believers are to show grace and that we are to show mercy in our life because that's what the father does. And so we kind of look at that whole passage of what Jesus says. And now we come to our ninth point and I hate to discount everything I just said in the previous eight points, but let me just put it this way. Love like this is humanly impossible. Love like this is humanly impossible. So everything I've preached to you today, you can't do. You can't do. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. It is not until I come into an experience with the Lord and have experienced his love that I can experience this love. So if I'm going to show love like this, the first thing that must happen in my life is I have to experience this kind of love. All right? So how do I experience this kind of love? I am first to experience this kind of love through Jesus Christ. So this is an impossible situation for me to love, but I must first experience God's love through Jesus. Now, Romans 5, 8 says that, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You go back two verses to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. It says, when we were helpless or we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Now listen, in those three verses, verses 6 through 8, we find that believers are called weak or helpless, we are called ungodly, and we are called sinners. And if you really want to top it off, look at Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10, because in that verse you're called an enemy. So Jesus saw that we were helpless to save ourselves, we were ungodly, we were sinners, we were his enemy, and he, out of love, went to the cross for us. So that we can never express his love until we've experienced his love. And I know some of you may think, man, when God got me, I got he got a pretty good deal. But the truth of the matter is, is even if you were a child, you had a depraved Heart that desperately needed to be forgiven of all the sin in your life. And so, when you were without strength to save yourself, Christ died for the ungodly. And God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We can't express this kind of love until we experience this kind of love. We experience it through Jesus. Secondly, we experience this love through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5, in that same passage in Romans 5, it tells us that the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So, God not only gives us Jesus, but now gives us the Holy Spirit in our life, and he is poured into our life. Then we think of God working through the Spirit, God working through Jesus, but God also works through the Scripture. God working through the Scripture to keep me close to him. As we think about remaining in the Word of God, remaining in the Scripture, Jude 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do I keep myself in 
in the love of God? Well, I'm walking in the Spirit, but I'm walking in the parameter of Scripture in God's will, recognizing that He's speaking to me, I'm speaking to Him through prayer, but I'm following His guideline for His life. I'm walking in the Scripture, I'm walking in the Spirit, and I'm experiencing His love. So love like this is humanly impossible. And then number 10, love like this is supernaturally possible. (laughs) Love like this is supernaturally possible. But this love is only supernaturally possible through the Holy Spirit. The love of God, Romans 5, 5, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And what happens as the Holy Spirit begins to work in us? The first fruit of the Spirit is love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. So because I have experienced his love through Jesus, I have experienced his love through the Spirit, I'm tapping into the Scripture, and through the Holy Spirit working in me, as I'm walking with him, the Holy Spirit gives me the capacity to love. I can't do it. Only the Spirit can do it through me. And I'll tell you what, I've been around enough other people to know I don't think you can do it either. But God has commanded us to be people of love. And when God gives us a command, he gives us the provision to meet that command. And the provision to meet the command to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate or mistreat you, and to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who use you. The only remedy for that is being tapped into the powerful, almighty work of the Holy Spirit in our life who produces love, and my life becomes like a funnel of God's love through God's saint to the world out there. So let me ask you, Are you going to leave a legacy of love? I mean, you may leave a legacy of high school sports. You may leave a legacy of being a dad or a grandpa. You may leave a legacy of a, of a a great work career. You may leave a legacy that is in six or seven figures. But let me ask you, are you leaving a legacy? of love. With that, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the challenge we've received from your word and speak to us through Jesus, through your spirit, so that we may be people who love. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's not experienced your love, we, we recognize it is impossible to express love that we've never experienced. So God, I pray that they would come to know Jesus today in your name.